0: Shalom and welcome to The Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. This Shabbat and Sunday are the two days of Rosh Chodesh, beginning of a month of the Jewish calendar, month of Elul. Elul is the final month of the Jewish annual cycle, bringing us straight to Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. This month is called in Jewish law and in Jewish mysticism as the month of compassion. I remember hearing the Rebbe of righteous memory talking about the concept of compassion in which the Rebbe explained that a person's point of reference for compassion is their mother's compassion towards them. Then the Rebbe became emotional and asked, but what of the child who lost his mother at a very young age and doesn't have that point of reference what point of reference does the child have through which to understand and embrace god's compassion and this month of god's compassion my friends for the life of me i cannot remember the rebbe's answer for i became completely absorbed in the rebbe's question and lost my train of thought in following what the Rebbe was saying I want to use this experience to dive into a human condition that is growing in momentum, that of the transgender. However, first I want to make a very clear disclaimer, I am not discussing the legal aspects of becoming a transgender according to Jewish law. For that, please consult a competent rabbi on the Jewish law concerning this transformation and concerning how the Jewish law views a transgender post-op concerning their gender. This lecture is discussing what I believe to be the underlying spiritual, mental, and emotional aspects of a person's feeling that he is a transgender. In order to stay focused in a simple manner, we will be exploring the male-to-female transgender, from which you can then extrapolate how this would apply to a female-to-male transgender. All I'm asking is that the audience let go of any phobias, bias, and close-mindedness so that we may enter into the spiritual world and see the beauty of what is taking place in our generation and how to manifest it in the healthy, kosher, and beautiful manner of which God intended this experience to be. The way we all study the story of creation of Adam and Eve is that God created Adam God said, and I quote the verse, that it is not good that man is alone, I shall make him a helpmate opposite him. And then further on, I quote the verse, it says, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, and he slept, and he, God, took one of his sides, and he closed the flesh in his place, and the Lord God built a side that he had taken from man into a woman, and he brought her to man. However, our sages discuss a different story as well. Earlier in Genesis, the verse states, and I quote the verse, and God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You will notice that in the literal translation that I quoted above, it does not say that God took a rib from Adam, but a side. The actual Hebrew word in the, ver- in the verse, which is tsela, is also translated as a side and not as a rib. Thus, the other interpretation of the story, based on the verse from chapter 1, that male and female he created them, is that originally God created Adam as a male and a female in one creature, side by side. Being that Adam was the complete human, male and female, therefore Adam's experience was one of loneliness. Thus God separated the two sides of the human race, and now the human experience of completion is found through Adam and Eve being in a relationship in which one is the helpmate of the other. I want to now venture into a spiritual interpretation of this side of the story. The complete verse in chapter 1 is, and I'm quoting now the complete verse, and God created man in his image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. What does the first segment of the verse mean? God has no image. Kabbalistic and Hasidic masters explain the first segment of the verse to mean that God created the human soul in the image of the ten emanations. What the ten emanations are is a transformer portion which absorbs the imageless, infinite light of God and brings forth on the other end ten finite image emotions. For purposes of simple clarity, view this as a color stained window through which sunlight shines. Sunlight on its own has no image or color, and yet, when it shines through a color-stained window, you can actually see colored rays of lights. So, too, it is with the imageless infinite light, which now has images and colors of ten different finite emanations, as that of kindness, justice, compassion, etc. Generally speaking, the ten emanations are made up of two categories, the three intellects, which are called the parents, and the seven emotions, which are called the offspring. The point that I am focusing on is that in each category there is the male, wisdom, six predator emotions, and the female, understanding, and the emotion of kingship. Thus, I would like to represent the verse in its entirety as saying the same thing. God created the human in his image with all ten emanations, with both the male and the female emanations, and thus, male and female, he created them. What is important for our exploration here is that even after God separated the two sides of Adam and created Eve as a separate being to be a helpmate, nevertheless each human soul of both the female and the female remain made up of all the ten faculties, which reflect God's image of the ten emanations. What I will profess in this lecture is that the separation was more a creation of a more dominant and a more submissive side within each soul in which the male side of the soul is the dominant side in the male human, and the female side is the submissive side of the soul within the male human, and the reverse is true for the female human, so it is in general. With the separation of the two sides of the human being, the male and the female, God gifted the human race with the gift of relationship, in which we are now incomplete on our own and completed through a relationship. Thus, the male experiences the dominance of his female side through being in a relationship of spiritual union, marriage with a female, and the female experiences the dominance of her male side through being in a relationship of spiritual human, union, marriage with a male. This is the mystical reason why, for example, the female lights the Shabbat candles, through which the female's male helpmate experiences the Shabbat candles, and the male da- dance the Twalit and Filin through which the male's female helpmate experiences the talent and fillin. This is the general experience of the human race, once God, and I quote again, caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, and he slept, and he took one of his sides, and he closed the flesh in his place, and the Lord God built a side that he had taken from man into a woman, and he brought her to man. End quote. In Jewish mysticism we find that there are specific famous personalities who are described to have been a manifestation of a specific one of the ten emanations, for example, Abraham was the fullest manifestation of the emanation of kindness, Isaac of strictness, and Jacob of compassion. However, I want to take you to King Solomon, who is the fullest manifestation of the tenth emanation, which is Malchut, kingship, also known as the feminine mystique. In the works of Kabbalah and Hasidism, King Solomon is known as the full moon the sun represents the male, the moon the female, and the full moon represents the fullest manifestation of the feminine mystique. As a matter of fact, the only greater experience of the full moon than King Solomon discussed in the teachings is Mashiach. The reason I bring this to your attention is that here we have an alpha male, the king who represents Jewish monarchy at its highest pinnacle, to be superseded only by Mashiach himself, and he is the absolute fullest manifestation of the female side of his own soul and of the entire Jewish people. Now let us also contemplate the fact that the fulfillment of all of creation will be brought about through Mashiach, who is to supersede even King Solomon in his femininity. Much of the secrets behind this can be found in the fact that Kabbalah and Hasidism see the fulfillment of all of creation through the fullest unprecedented restoration of the moon, which at the start of creation was told by God, go make yourself small. After which God then asked of the Jewish people that on every Rosh that day, and I quote a verse in Numbers, bring atonement for me because I diminish the size of the moon. Actually, that's not a verse, that's a Rashi's commentary on the verse that says to bring a sin offering on the day of Rosh Add on to this that in the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidism, the only reason why sin can exist within creation is because a. God made his infinite light contract, which then manifested itself in b. God making the moon diminish itself, which subsequently embodied itself within Adam eating from the tree of knowledge. Thus bringing the universe back to its original stature of completion and to then bring it to an even greater level of profit from the spiritual investment of concealment is all about the ultimate fulfillment of the full moon. Thus we will understand how as the universe is preparing itself and ushering in the era of Mashiach and redemption, we are finding that the human race has shifted from being a man's world to becoming a female's world. Let us return to King Solomon for a moment and see this shift on a very deep and amazing level. King Solomon's monarchy is described as and therefore he was called Shlomo Solomon for peace Shalom reigned in his days. Put this in perspective of Solomon's times in which kings were consistently waging war against each other. The nations had huge bones to pick with the Jewish people over what their previous king David did to them and add to this that Jewish monarchy was only three generations old and was probably a thorn within the side of all anti-semites nevertheless here comes King Solomon and reigns with peace another interesting point of King Solomon's life that I want to respectfully mention is that Solomon during his lifetime had a thousand wives historians see this as King Solomon being a male predator securing his kingdom by marrying into the families of all the other kingdoms I'm not here to argue however Could not the wisest of all men have found another way of creating personal interest for the security of the Jewish nation than having the other king's daughter or sister become one of a thousand of King Solomon's wives? Can we not respectfully say that this historical fact of Solomon's having a thousand wives and of King Solomon's history with Queen Sheba has to do with the deepest of spiritual heights of King Solomon's being the ultimate fulfillment of the feminine mystique, Malchot, and the full moon? However, what I believe to be vital a vital point here is that historians are right about King Solomon being a male in a male's world, and that King Solomon was using his femininity as a male in a kosher and positive manner, because King Solomon was a healthy, righteous, and holy person, creating an unprecedented Jewish kingdom of peace and sensitivity. Now I mentioned that he was doing it in a kosher manner, so parenthetically speaking, Our sages discuss how King Solomon's having 1,000 wives was a kosher and not in direct violation of the commandment of Deuteronomy, and he, a king, shall not take many wives for himself. So the sages do discuss this and do explain how this was a kosher behavior. Thus we see that although God has separated Adam and Eve, and God has made Adam to be a male and Eve to be a female, and we are understanding that this means that in the male, the predominant faculties of the soul are the male faculties, and in the female, the predominant faculties of the soul is the female faculty, nevertheless we find King Solomon described as the ultimate experience of the feminine mystique of the soul. The epiphany of this lecture began with simply accepting that there is a growing transgender movement and that the movement is based upon individuals who are truly experiencing within the soul the cross dominance of faculties that contradict the gender of their bodies many of these individuals perceive themselves as suffering from a mistake made by nature as a person who believes that nature is nothing but a glove on the hand of god i cannot ideologically accept that nature makes any mistakes or any correct decisions for that matter to quote our yom kippur liturgy Nature is but as a hammer in the hand of a carpenter. God controls every single detail of nature and of its uh, and of its evolution, thus accepting the facts both a on the physical level, people experiencing transgender dominations of soul faculties and b on the spiritual level that God is in control and purposely brings about all that happens here on earth, I had to accept that this transgender experience is a good one, and that God has a healthy and kosher way through which the transgendered experience will bring us to greater heights and is bringing us towards Mashiach. So let me make clear that I personally do accept that there is most definitely a cross-gendered experience of soul faculties within many individuals in how we describe the domination of the male faculties and of the female faculties of the soul. And I do not believe that in all cases this is the outcome of overindulgence in sexual behavior in which the individual is progressively seeking deeper and deeper into newer depths of sexual experience. As a matter of fact, I don't believe that homosexuality is all about sexual behaviors either. Rather, in many cases, homosexuality is about men not being able to get along with male predatory behaviors, and have thus defined themselves as female characters with feminine characteristics, and are seeking similar males to have a loving relationship with. So too, I don't perceive transgendered individuals as people looking for a sexual change, but that a major majority of them are seeking their intellectual, emotional, and spiritual experience that fits the cross-gender of their dominating soul faculties. So what is God's plan with this growing phenomenon of people who feel transgendered? One of the greatest areas in which we can take a peek into God's plan, I believe, is the world of education. This is where the male, the males of the generation are being molded in the most formative years of their life. The history of education, even though there was a dominance of female teachers, nevertheless even these teachers were complying with a man's world view of education. The child was dominated and forced to fit into the global box image of who a child must be and of what a child must be prepared for. At large, this has changed so profoundly as even male teachers are now complying with a female's world of education in which each child needs to be individually understood, worked with, defined, and prepared for for their individual life. If you are a parent, you may want to consider how many books on parenting or school workshops or parenting speakers you have read, attended or listened to versus how many of these your parents experienced, if any. There are still some grumpy old men out there complaining about how education isn't the way it used to be and how we aren't making men out of boys anymore. Yet they are becoming more and more of an extinct minority and even those who sometimes think these thoughts They don't dare express them, simply because of the female's world of political correctness. The gender of the educational world has changed from male to female. This is truly a gift from God. Yes, it is causing insecurity, pains, and confusions, as every change does, until we understand how to fully embrace it and how to place guardrails at the slippery slopes of the change. However, I believe that we each see this change in the world of education at its very core, unperverse, as a good thing and as a godly thing. From this from this I'm sorry, one second here. From this peak into God's plan of a cross-gendering of the dominance of the faculties of the soul as it manifests itself within the, within the educational field, we can now extrapolate on how the moon is being restored to its fullest reflection of God's infinite power and goodness within all the other areas in which our generation is undergoing a male to female transgender transformation. Well, where are, this, where are we slipping off the broad highway of God's beautiful plan? For starters, I believe that we are struggling with leaving go of our square and narrow perception of how the masculinity of a male must express itself. One of the greatest role models in our generation for us to learn from is the Rebbe of blessed memory. The Rebbe was the epitome of a king, a warrior, and one of the most sensitive men, one could have ever encountered. I personally, together with thousands of people, have witnessed the Rebbe crying at a Fabringen, a public Hasidic gathering, to the point that the Rebbe simply had to stop speaking until the Rebbe was able to recompose himself. The transgender of self in which a male does not enjoy male cynicism rough sporting or the predatory kill or be killed attitude does not render him an unbearable contradiction between the gender of his body and the dominating gender of his soul's intellectual emotional and spiritual faculties rather it may very well make him a leader and a trailblazer to becoming the ultimate male of the messianic era yes the pain and loneliness of being different is very challenging and the leader's need to face his back to the masses as he faces uncharted territory is quite daunting however the quantum leap of our present state of reality to mashiach's world demands of the chosen ones to accept this challenge and I truly believe in my heart that the intellectually, emotionally and spiritually transgendered are huge are a huge population of the chosen ones. And I also believe that this very transgendered experience of inner self is a huge part of the threshold into Mashiach's world. In closing, I want to say that this lecture is far from being only for those with transgendered feelings. In truth, this lecture speaks of breaking free of the shackles of man-made perceptions of who we ought to be and how we ought to be ourselves. This lecture speaks of the truest of self-acceptance and of embracing the full beauty of the godly image in which we are each created. It speaks of opening up to the unprecedented experience of a complete, true, and wholesome self that Mashiach is going to bring us to. No, not all of us are struggling with the cross-dominance of the genders of our soul's faculties. However, so many of us are struggling to fully accepting who we are. When we don't fully accept who we are, we are suppressing ourselves, and suppression will almost always eventually lead to a non-kosher, hidden, acting out, an expression of who we really are. Therefore, what this lecture is asking for is that we make a searching and fearless inventory of ourselves without judging what is normal and what is abnormal about us. Rather, this lecture is asking us to fully accept that everything that God has created us as is perfect, pure, and beautiful. We just have to pray that God reveal to us how he wants us to use who we are in service to him and to his universe. Friends, modernity offers growth, and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. The Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.